we have to find a way to talk and have dialogue and be tolerant between other views. You have to have open dialogue, and that's where free speech is so important. Consent's a very important thing, and today in the Me Too movement, it's been very important because I think it's really opened up a lot of eyes. Cannabis is a healing herb. We as the people, we need to stand up and make a move. If you committed sexual assault, doesn't matter when it was, you should be held accountable for that. However, we have to make sure that we actually make sure they committed sexual assault, and we have to make sure that all allegations are verified. So put in these programs thinking that it'll help everyone, but what they forget is that the pathway to hell is paved with good intention. And I think that's what this whole movement is all about anyways, is uh, trying to be open to ideas. Welcome to Liberty Talks Podcast with John Douglas and Matt Travis. After seven times of doing the intro, here we are finally getting it. So today on, <laughs> so today on Liberty Talks, we are we're pretty packed. Uh, you're going to see there's a theme today, and it's that the Democratic Party is just awful. We're going to talk about That's an how, understatement. Yeah, right. We're going to talk about how radical they become. And I know usually on Liberty Talks, we don't like to make endorsements or, or, or anything like that. We try to let people think for themselves. But honestly... The Democratic Party has become so awful, then we'll just be intellectually dishonest. And so today we're going to just go through how awful they are. We're going to talk about a lot of the things they become really radical on. Uh, plus, at the end, we'll talk about Chick-fil-A because we all know that Chick-fil-A is a very evil, evil company who makes awful, evil sandwiches that will kill the gays if they eat the sandwiches. So we're going to be talking about that. And then at the end, we uh, might have a little fun surprise. So let's, let's get right into it. So, Matt, first thing, but I think this news just yep. broke today, actually, uh, of recording this. The yeah, new yeah, Illinois today. infanticide. Oh, Illinois infanticide. Yeah, yeah. I was going to – so, yeah, today, uh, Illinois – this is an article from the Daily Wire. It says, Illinois' fast-track shocking abortion bill, bill designed to turn state into abortion capital of America. And that's a pretty accurate statement. Um, if we go down here, we'll see that – uh, according to the legal group's analysis, the bill would prohibit the state from interfering in any way with abortions. It would erase criminal penalties for performing abortions and allow non-doctors to do them. This one right here, erasing criminal penalties and allowing non-doctors, I think is the biggest thing in my opinion. I mean, there's a lot of horrible things in here, but once you remove the, the restriction or the, uh, the criminal penalties for it, what incentive does anybody have to not do it? Yeah, I mean, maybe they crazy. might lose their license. I guess that's not technically a criminal penalty. Yeah, this bill is just absolutely crazy, and it's on par with the uh, New York bill. It's actually, I think it's worse than the New York bill. It's more on par with the Virginia bill and the Rhode Island bill. Uh, it's yeah. it, it, These bills aren't uh, pro-choice bills. They are not even yeah. – they're, they're not even pro-abortion bills. They're pro-infanticide bills. It's What? Well, I'd say that this is actually exactly what the activists in the pro-choice movement have always wanted all along. And, and, and a lot of them weren't afraid to say it for the, at least in the last five years or so. A lot of them haven't been afraid to say it, but it's just finally coming to fruition as far as a uh, uh, legislatively. Is legislatively a word? Uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe not. It's it yeah, is yeah, today. legislative. <laughs> I believe it's a word. 
yeah, but this is just another example of how radical the Democrats are becoming now. What this bill does, just like the Virginia bill did, is it strips all right from an unborn baby, all, all rights from an unborn baby. So that means, let's say you just have a pregnant woman walking along the road and you go up to her and assault her and kill her baby. Even if she wanted to have the baby, you cannot be held liable for the death of that unborn child now because it has no rights as a human. But yeah, so, so very bad for a fetus to have a life. Uh, I believe Illinois also just made, I think it was Lake Michigan or well, one of these states just said that one of these Great Lakes have the same rights as humans. So Great Lakes, same <laughs> rights as humans. Unborn child, about that. no rights at all. That, that's how it works yeah. in the Rust Belt now. Yeah, that's insane. And so, it, it, this bill didn't stop there either. I mean, just like you said, it's just as bad as like the Rhode Island one. It also went on, I think it was like, I think like the Rhode Island one, if I remember right. It goes on to say that the uh, the legislation would also repeal partial birth abortion ban and abortion clinic regulations that protect women's health. So, so again, that partial birth abortion, which people pe for people that don't know what that is, it's essentially like you induce labor and kill the baby as it's coming out of the vagina, as the as it starts to as dilation begins. Yeah, exactly. And the amazing thing is, is every single Democratic argument beforehand in support of uh, the pro choice movement or the pro-choice side well these pro infanticide bills have completely destroyed those arguments because the biggest argument they had was uh fetus is not a human life until a certain point usually they said third trimester the third trimester and now they just threw that out they said oh, you know what Maybe we don't care even if it's sticking out of the woman you should still be able to kill it because they, they don't have a good reason in any democrat you've seen asked about this just runs away they don't have yeah. any good reasons about this and illinois just the newest state in this in this awful radicalism yep yeah yeah and that's in there it, this isn't just happening on the state level um we also saw um uh, i guess it was about a month ago now i didn't realize it had been that long it's been about a month um but house democrats uh voted on well they didn't vote on it they they uh they blocked uh what's it called cloture yeah how's that work again Oh, no, so uh, in, in order to get a bill to be voted on, it has to get past committee, and the Democrats blocked it at committee. So the House yeah, so you vote need on 60 it. votes, right? Uh, no, 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 not in committee. In committee. Oh, well, you're talking about you're talking about in the House. Yeah, in the House. Okay. Yeah, and the Senate. Yeah, appearance. 60. Yeah, yeah. So apparently, and that, that's the thing I was going to mention. Apparently, I didn't know this happened in the House and the Senate. I had read about the Senate one, as you can see right here. House Democrat, House House Democrats block request. Okay, never mind. They're both they're both House. I was completely wrong. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, what happened, yeah. Basically, what happened is that the House Democrats blocked a anti-infanticide bill from being voted on the House floor, which is just insane. Again, because killing a baby after it's already been born now is a Democratic position. You should be allowed to do this, according to Democrats. Just yeah. a year ago, I think some Democrats would have said, "No, no, we would never think that." This just shows how radical they're going, how fast. It, it really is sad to see that this is the Democratic Party now, and, but it's not just infanticide. It gets even worse. So, yeah, yeah, this is probably this is probably one of the issues that's close to my heart, uh, abortion, but that it doesn't really stop there. And we've we've talked about this before on the podcast, and, and we could go on to say the same things that we always do about the degeneracy of, of allowing infanticide and, and uh, abortion up to nine months and everything you can think of. It's it's 
all the strawman, everything that they would have called strawman a few years ago has now become reality when it comes to abortion. But but uh, moving on to our next topic, um, um, we have uh, we've seen over the last year or two people begin to embrace socialism and not just not just some outsiders within the Democratic Party, but uh, especially with the, with the uh, Green New Deal that was put out by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, we've seen pretty much everybody at the tippy top of the Democrat Party embrace socialism now. Yeah, I mean, they're practically moving into communism. Elizabeth Warren is pretty much running as a full-blown communist, and they've gone so far left on this now that even Bernie Sanders isn't really considered and uh, far enough left for the Democratic Party. He wants one that's even further left than Bernie Sanders. Yeah, and think about how crazy that was. That was in 2016. He was he was like the far far left crazy old man screaming crazy things about socialism. And now it's 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 he's just normal. Yeah, he's just yeah he, he, yeah Bernie Sanders. He in 2016 he took complete control of the party because he was a socialist and people liked what he was saying and now it's been taken control by AOC. AOC has has become the face of the Democratic Party. the The Democrats are beholden to her now. Whenever AOC told all the Democrats that if they don't vote in line with her priorities, she's going to put them on a list. They actually might actually I think they fear that list because she has become one of the most yeah. powerful people in the Democratic Party. She has dethroned Nancy Pelosi in three months. Nancy Pelosi has been dethroned as the leader of the Democratic Party, and that should further go to show how far left the Democratic Party has gone, and not just that, it should show how far left the base has gone. I think one of the most dangerous things about the Democratic Party going left is that their base is going left faster than the party can go left, and that's why they're having trouble keeping up, and that's why Nancy Pelosi has no control over her new uh, Democrats now. She has no control mm -hmm. over her party. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's... It's um, it to be honest, it's kind of scary. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it, it's, it's really taking a, a pretty radical shift pretty quick, and um, I'm I don't know. I guess we kind of already all always knew that the principles that the Democrats espouse would eventually lead to this, but but now it's becoming a reality. And and the question is, are the Democrats that vote for them are the supposedly moderate Democrats going to stick around, or are they going to jump ship? And especially with this, with uh, Howard Schultz now running, saying that he's going to run for president unless they put up a moderate, which doesn't seem like it's going to happen. Um, is are are there actually going to be enough Democrats to jump ship to where the the Democrat Party will begin to come become more moderate, or are they just going to continue to become more and more radical and uh, try to appeal to their radical left base? No, I, I totally agree with you. And uh, well, what I think they're going to do is I think they're just going to try to appeal to their radical left base. I don't think they're going to try to become moderate. I don't think they're going to try to bridge the gap and say, you people are just getting too crazy for me now. I'm going to go work with Republicans because they think Republicans have gone too radical and Republicans haven't gone radical at all. Republicans have actually stayed, yeah. stayed the same since like 2000. Yeah. But uh, Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, but it's, it's amazing how they can uh, go ahead. Yeah, they, they rather work with their radicals and their socialists and their intersectionalists then work with just mainstream Republicans because they hate Republicans that much. They think it's easier to work with the crazies in their party. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that has a lot to do with the Democrats doing really good with messaging. They've convinced in an, about half the population that Republicans are evil bigots that want to take all their money and, and want to leave them in poverty and want to uh, want to discriminate against black people and want them all shot by the cops and yada, yada, yada. So it's... It's, I guess they've, I guess maybe we should be taking some points from 
from uh, from their handbook. Well, luckily we don't have to because they're going to just shoot themselves in the foot with that. <laughs> All Republicans, bigoted, racist, homophobic, uh, anti-Semitic, everything. It turns out they're pretty much all these things now, and they don't even care. They're yep. they're everything so long <laughs> as it helps them politically. And as we see right now, probably the most outrageous thing I've seen since in the past day, because <laughs> that's how many times <laughs> Democrats outraged me uh, in a in a week. Uh, yeah. they, they've completely embraced anti-Semitism now because they are too scared to condemn Ilhan Omar. And as you can see, what we have here is uh, they're so scared to condemn Ilhan Omar now that they're, they're just going to embrace the anti-Semitism. They don't even care anymore. They're going to say, you know what? Representative Ilhan Omar is too powerful a politician. She's new, fresh face. Therefore, let's just, uh, let's just embrace anti-Semitism because after all, the Holocaust was 70 years ago. Well, and this is pretty much the same exact argument that Representative James Clyburn made about Ilhan Omar. Well, yeah, it's like you talk about. It's all, all about intersectional uh, intersectionalism. And, and the Jews don't rank high enough on the list. The Muslim ranks higher than the Jews. So, of course, we're going to end why, up in this situation. Uh-huh. Yeah, of course. And that's why Ilhan Omar, since she ranks higher than the Jews and the white people and, and everyone pretty much else on the list, because she's a, she's a woman, she's Islamic. She's from Somalia. She's a uh, dark skin. That, that, that means she ranks really, really high on the intersectionality scale, which means that she can be as racist, anti-Semitic as she wants to everyone. But she, since she's at the highest intersectionality scale, it's actually a good thing that she's doing that because she's been the most historically victimized. And you can see them making this argument because Representative James Clyburn actually said that Ohan Omar's experience is more personal than that of Holocaust survivors' children, which is... <laughs> That that is probably one of the most awful things I've heard in a long time. This and this is where the Democratic Party is going now. They're actually saying that the Holocaust isn't that big of a deal anymore. If you were, if your parents are Holocaust survivors, Ilhan Omar's experience is worth more than yours because hers is more recent, and therefore she should be allowed to be as anti-Semitic as she wants. Because after all, the Holocaust was seventy years ago. Who cares anymore? Who cares that your entire family? died in the Holocaust and that you had several relatives that got killed. Who cares? Eight million Jews died. Representative Ilhan Omar is a female, dark-skinned Muslim, and therefore her opinion is more valid than yours, even if you survived the Holocaust. Yeah, and that's what it comes down to, because we know exactly what would happen if a white conservative said all this. In fact, we've we've seen it happen with, um, with, oh, I actually have an article here with with uh, with, uh, Steve King. This this one was a... a, uh, a uh, history of his racist remarks to read through and some of them so, so so the only the only excuse for treat treating steve king differently than ilhan omar is that steve king supposedly has a a uh, a history of making racist remarks and, and so i looked up some of the things they said and if you look at them on here mr king in iowa in the iowa senate files a bill requiring schools to teach the united states that the United States is the unchallenged greatest nation in the world and has and it has derived strength from Christianity, free enterprise, capitalism, and Western civilization. How is that racist? That's obviously that a true racist. statement. Yeah, yeah. And and there's it's just that's like that's like a moderate level one. Like most of them are less severe, supposedly racist statements than that. Most of them are, are just completely 100% benign. Like, if we go to the next one. Now in Congress, Mr. King introduces the English Language Unity Act, a bill to make English the official language of the United States. This is one of the worst ones, is that he wants English to be the official language, which isn't racism, because there are actually many races that speak English. <laughs> it's right. It's just absurd. I, 
I, I think the left has construed uh, Representative King's comments to look racist when a lot of them uh, either haven't been or were just maybe soft. Uh, but whenever he pretty much uh, embraced white nationalism and said he doesn't understand why the word white supremacy is a bad thing, yeah, he, I, I think he should have been censured for that. And I was glad that his uh, committee assignments got removed. But you, you know what was amazing during that time? What was just absolutely amazing was the Democrats saying, well, Steve King doesn't know what he's talking about. He's just ignorant, and uh, we can't <laughs> condemn him. We can't, we can't say anything bad about him because then he'll be targeted, and we don't want to be targeted. Uh, so instead, it, instead, he started a debate. He started a debate about white nationalism. We need to have that debate. It, I, I remember when the Democrats said that about Steve King. Oh, wait. Yeah, yeah, they never right. did. <laughs> so, yeah. So Steve King makes white nationalist remarks, and we basically destroy him, or rightfully so, in my opinion. Then Ilhan Omar makes four anti-Semitic statements over the course of six weeks consistently. She has met with Jewish Democratic constituents in her district a couple years ago who actually came out of that meeting very shaken and very worried about Ilhan Omar's anti-Semitism. She has a complete history of anti-Semitism and hating Jews. However, she gets treated with kids' gloves because she's a Democrat, and she's a fresh face, and she's one of the most highest intersectional-ranking yep. members in the party. Therefore, to actually condemn her is to condemn intersectionality itself, and they, the Democrats can't do that because that would enrage their base. So instead, they're just going to embrace anti-Semitism. Now, anti-Semitism is a good thing. It's a good thing now because Ilhan Omar said so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And this is the, these topics, me and you have quite a bit of disagreement on like, even some of the things Ilhan Omar has said, I don't find that racist and, and you find racist, like uh, bringing home the Benjamins just because it's more like general phrase. And, and we've disagreed on, we've went back and forth off air before that. Um, and even with, with, uh, with Steve King's comments about West, because I, I tend to err on the side of not accusing people of racism, just because I think I, I, I will be honest and say I think I've been doled I've been doled to the term racist because I've seen it used so many times illegitimately that now I require a significant evidence before I'm going to assume that somebody's a racist. But even in our disagreement with that, what we both agree on is the insanity of the difference between the way they treat somebody who supposedly said something racist on the right and the way they treat somebody who supposedly said something racist on the left, especially whenever it's somebody that, like you said, is higher up on the intersectionality scale. Right, right exactly. And Ilhan Omar has been has consistently said anti-Semitic things when she said it's all about the Benjamins baby. The implication is that uh, American Jews and Americans in general only support Israel because the Jews have to pay them off with their Jew gold. Okay, that's anti-Semitic. That's one of the largest anti-Semitic tropes in history. Actually, I think Hitler's first written works ever actually started out saying that the Jews control too much money in Germany. So, yeah, the more the more stuff that comes out, the more I think she probably is anti-Semitic. <laughs> yeah, she's definitely anti-Semitic. But individual individual comments, I still disagree with at some point. Like one one comment that uh, a friend of mine recently showed me what. Uh, hypnotize the jews was referring to or the jews hypnotizing people was referring to she made some comments along the along that line and it, it came from a uh, a movie in nazi germany and i mean it could be that she doesn't know about the movie but in all likelihood she probably does <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's just awful and what, what i love is the democrats keep on shifting the goalposts within like three days they're so scared of calling out ilhan omar that they put up a bill to condemn uh, omar's anti-semitism 
And then after that, they're like, oh, hang on, hang on. We can't actually condemn Ilhan Omar because she is a Muslim woman. Therefore, let's just condemn all hatred. Let's condemn white supremacy or uh, or Islamophobia first. They said, oh, let's condemn anti-Semitism and Islamophobia. <laughs> the Islamic branch of the Democratic Party said, no, 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 wait. We, we don't like this bill then because we don't. I mean, we think it's good if you want to condemn Islamophobia, but we do not want to be on the same bill where you can condemn anti-Semitism because yeah. I, I think CARE, uh, the Council of American Islamic Relations, which uh, is been connected to several terrorist groups in the past, they actually objected to this because they didn't want to be on the same bill as anti-Semitism out of the fear that their members wouldn't like it. They have too many anti-Semites. So then, so then it goes to, let's just make a broad bill where we condemn everything. So now they have a bill, I think that just passed it today, they have a bill that condemns Islamophobia, it condemns Pacific Islander hate, it condemns white supremacy, it condemns hatred against Hispanics, and then way down there at the bottom, anti it condemns anti-Semitism, even though this all started because Ilhan Omar made intentionally anti-Semitic comments. Yeah, yeah, and I was looking for the, the article, I saw the... Uh... Well, this might, this might I saw uh, that Nancy Pelosi, in defense of Ilhan Omar, was, was basically trying to write off the idea, or, or dismiss the idea, I mean, dismiss the idea that uh, this bill had anything to do with her. <laughs> that no, no, this is not, this is not a direct response by her, this is just, yeah, so right here it says, uh, Nancy Pelosi clears Ilhan Omar of intended anti-Semitism hours before House votes on anti-hate resolution in wake of Muslim Americans' comments on Israel uh, which left Democrats in disarray. And the quote is, she says, it's not about her. <laughs> yeah, this exactly. is entirely about her. And they're trying to make it like it's not about her by including all that crap in it that you just mentioned. Exactly. And this also shows the racism of the Democratic Party because well, one of the lines that Nancy Pelosi is using is that maybe I don't think she intended it to be anti-Semitic. So the argument is that she's basically too stupid to realize that she's be being anti-Semitic and hateful towards Jews, which is the soft bigotry of low expectations. You're, you're, she's gonna. She's basically claiming that since she's a minority woman, she's too stupid to know that her words actually affect people. Yeah, it's it's astounding. <laughs> and, uh, it's just... it, that's not uh, the only argument. There's several arguments the Democrats have put forth. Uh, that's just one of it. One of the other arguments they put is that she's not anti-Semitic. She's just anti-Israel. Yeah. And, and so this is what's happening in Europe too. They're they're claiming all anti-Semitism uh, that they find is actually anti-israel you know this is anti-semitism yeah yeah you're right and, and and this is this is the funny thing about it and i think some anti-semitism gets mixed up with what's really just anti-israel comments but to me it, but then some of it doesn't some of it they blame on anti well they're just anti-israel when really it is anti-semitism but to me i have a bigger problem with the anti-israel comments because i think it's such a dire situation in the middle east that they need to have um they need to have a stable nation like Israel over there and we need to back them to such an extent that it's just as bad or worse to be to be just vehemently anti-Israel to want Israel to not exist yeah and of I course totally, the end result of that is all the Jews being killed over there too because yeah, there's nobody there to protect them yeah I, I I totally agree and I think me and you are the only two on Liberty Talks who actually agree with this point because <laughs> we're the only two non-libertarians but um but it, it, that goes to show there's a lot of people on our uh, podcast on Liberty Talks, uh, Michael, uh, uh, who, who, God, I'm forgetting all our Twitters now, Michael, Christian, Fancy, 
they're all they all believe that we shouldn't support Israel so much, not because they're anti-Semitic, but because they think in a libertarian sort of non-interventionist sense we shouldn't be supporting Israel. That's not anti-Semitic. But what it is anti-Semitic yeah. is to say that Israel has hypnotized the world and that the only reason that <laughs> anyone would support Israel is because the Jew gold, because the, yeah. because the Jews have to pay off uh, Americans to make them like them. That's actually anti-Semitic. So whenever people say that, oh, oh no, 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 she doesn't, she, she doesn't, she's not anti-Semitic, she's anti-Israel. I'm sorry, if you say the, that Jew money has to pay, uh, has to be used to make people like Israel, that's anti-Semitic, it's not anti-Israel. And, and this argument is what will lead to more anti-Semitism because this will be an umbrella argument in Europe right now. I think in Germany, they actually, there was a bombing of a synagogue and a German court found that the bombing of the synagogue was not was not an anti-Semitic attack. It was an anti-Israel attack because any attack against Jews clearly is about Israel, not against just hatred of Jews because, you know, Israel has existed forever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and, and to, go ahead. Okay, yeah, you go ahead. Well, I was going to say, to to, uh, to Michael and, and Fancy's credit, um, I get where they're coming from on that too. Like if we weren't dumping a bunch of money to a bunch of other Middle Eastern and Northern African and, all, and pretty much everywhere around the entire world, if we weren't dumping a bunch of money into all of them, then it might make sense to not give Israel, Israel a bunch of money. But at the same time, I don't know, we might still disagree on defense issues, on us, us saying, yeah, you mess with them, we're going to come nuke all of your nation. So you should probably not jack with them. <laughs> Like, right. They may disagree with me on that. That's yeah, they, they definitely do. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but, but, uh, this, it, whenever you allow anti-Semitism to spread like this, and you refuse to condemn it because you're so worried about your own political blowback, and you'd rather just let anti-Semitism thrive in your party instead of actually losing power, this leads to the really bad stuff. This is what will lead eventually to the Jews being persecuted like they were in Nazi Germany. And if you think I'm exaggerating, there we actually have a picture from Belgium. This was just a few days ago at a parade. They, in this parade, they actually showed this. This was going on in a parade where they showed these stereotypical Jewish big nose uh, with the, the the corn roll thing and their and their hair rabbis, just like the Nazis did in the 1930s and 40s. Yeah, yeah, and and to give some some perspective on that, uh, a lot of people may not know. You're you're a big history guy, so you might know more about this. You probably better talk about this than me, but but about what was going on in Belgium during the Nazi era. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm not that familiar with what was going on in Belgium. I know exactly what was going on in Germany during the Nazi era in the 1930s. I, I know a lot of things that led to uh, up to the exp expulsion of the Jews. But one of the things they did was the Nazis actually started putting out posters that looked exactly like these uh, uh, people right here on, on this thing. They, they put up these uh, posters that looked exactly like these Jewish people in order to say, this is the evil Jew who made us lose the First World War. This is the evil Jew who made Germany lose its honor. This is the person we need to target. The same thing's happening in Belgium right now. And because for the same reasons, because it's all, it's, it, it, they will say in, in Israel, this is not anti-Semitic right here. This is anti-Israel. This is not anti-Israel. This is anti-Semitic. And as Americans, we need to be the people who point it out because if we if we don't, well, we just lost monetary funding on YouTube now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, if, if, if we don't point this out, 
then the United States will look like this. this. This will become the United States. It's already happening in Europe. If it happens there, it can happen here, especially when the Democratic Party has basically embraced every anti-Semitic thing about it, just like the Labor Party in Great Britain, run by Jeremy Corbyn. Exactly. Um, but um, what time is it? Oh, we're, uh, we're getting pretty close to finishing up here. Uh, for Let's see where we Oh, yeah, I almost forgot. Almost forgot about the 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 uh, sandwiches story. So so as people may remember, that was a great transition, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> wonderful. Case, yep, yep. Anyway, yeah. anyway. <laughs> um. So this uh, oh, when was this? This was a couple months ago, almost. A couple yeah. months ago, and uh, as you may remember, we didn't we didn't talk about it. I think this happened a little bit before we started our podcast. So maybe that's why we didn't talk about it. I don't know. But um, but uh, President Trump, the media was losing their mind over the fact that President Trump had bought like a ton of sandwiches um from this was during the government shutdown so they didn't have money for a chef or something like that i don't know i can't remember it was a while back but yeah, um trump ate it all out of pocket but i just thought this was hilarious so so i wanted to, to bring this back up again and for another reason as well um but but washington post was freaking out at one point and and saying that uh because trump said he had a, a he had some sandwiches stacked a mile high and, and of course they write an article fact checking whether yeah. it was actually like a mile high worth of sandwiches as if that's not a statement and then on twitter he said like thousands of sandwiches etc and somebody else was like it wasn't thousands it was like 300 as if these people don't have anything better to do than to fact check how many sandwiches trump bought for a football team or whatever but uh yeah because but, uh, under the left you're not allowed to say funny things that's, yeah yeah exactly it's exactly. a horrible thing you can do <laughs> but recently there's a, a whole new sandwich controversy um in i think it was this last week yeah i know right oh no it's just just yesterday so yesterday um lgbt activist enraged trump served chick-fil-a football chick-fil-a to football champions of course because because why not and of course it, it has a lot to do with uh the fact that chick-fil-a is an evil corporation that wants all gays in gas chambers so of course because because we have proof of this What's our proof? Because the left says so. Yeah, and they're, and they're always kicking out gays, and we have all these video evidence of nothing happening and everything. Yeah, yeah, because, <laughs> because we, we have exactly zero zero videos of Chick-fil-A saying, oh, you're gay, we want to serve you. We have all this evidence of Chick-fil-A stores kicking out gay people. We have exactly zero videos and zero testimonies of it ever happening, tons of evidence for it. And we all know Chick-fil-A is very evil because all their sandwiches are obviously baked with Leviticus 18.22 in mind. And and we know that when gay people eat them, they suddenly turn straight because they're, they're very evil sandwiches. Yep. It's like gay conversion therapy, but way too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but what, what they do is they bring gay people up to the back of Chick-fil-A and just put two chicken patties up to their head like this. <laughs> oh, it's chicken shock therapy. But uh, but yeah. So some of them are some of these uh, advocate groups. Uh, Tracy Gilcrest, for instance, at the Advocate, um, was saying for the second time this year, Donald Trump has invited an athletic team. This is probably my favorite part. Not even them complaining about about Chick Fil A being anti-gay, but they say for the second time this year, Donald Trump has invited an athletic team to the White House and boasted about serving them fast fast food. But this time, chicken sandwiches from uh. Oh, is this not the part? Uh, da, 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 da. Sad day. I read the wrong one. I, that's an epic fail on this. But anyway, there was somebody bitching about the fact that once again, he's serving them unhealthy sandwiches. And I'm like, oh, this is great. This is just great. You can't make this up. But then, of course, they go on to bitch about the uh, the uh, anti-gay LGBTQ company at Chick-fil-A were arranged on silver platters. 
uh, for champions of North Dakota State Bison football team on Monday. Um, and then Bill Browning of the LGBTQ Nation denounced Chick-fil-A's presence uh, for the second time in his presidency. Donald Trump has served fast food to an athletic team to celebrate their victory. I don't know why why celebrate is in scare quotes. I guess they weren't right. actually celebrating. I'm that's actually sure like that's a Donald mean. Trump tweet. He always puts things in, square, in uh, scare quotes that don't need to be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or capitalizations. Capitalizes yeah. words that aren't supposed to be capitalized. <laughs> But uh, Browning wrote, this time the president who has attacked the LGBTQ community, which is ironic considering just, what was it, like a week ago, he was encouraging foreign nations to get rid of their anti-gay laws, and somehow yeah, that no. was racist. And now they're attacking him for being anti Yeah, yeah, he, he was being Islamophobic for, uh, for trying to push Islamic nations to stop hanging gay people from cranes. So that was yeah. And this is the question that I have about Ilhan Omar. Is, is if she eventually goes down the anti-gay road, which if she's as anti-Jewish as she is, I don't see why it wouldn't end up there, um, considering the views of radical Islamists. But but if it eventually ends up in the anti-gay thing, which side yeah. will they take? <laughs> exactly. The We're already take? seeing all this fall apart right now. They hear, the end, yeah, a spoiler alert, a spo major spoiler alert right here of the future. What's going to happen to intersectionality is that it's going to collapse because you can't have all of these contradicting views at once. Like LGBTQ is going to collapse because it's contradictory in nature. You can't have LGB, you can't have that be synonymous with T because if you're lesbian, gay, or bisexual. Yeah. B cannot be synonymous yeah, with exactly. pretty much everything. But if, if, <laughs> uh, like if you're a transgender, the transgender argument is that there is no such thing as gender. Therefore, if I'm a man and I think I'm a woman, I'm a woman. If I'm a woman, I think I'm a man and I'm a man. And if you don't want to have sex with me, then that just makes you transphobic. Well, that's a problem for the LGBT people because they want to have they, they only want to have sex with the same sex as them. So if a, so if a trans person comes up to them and wants to be with them, have sex, and they and they say no, I want to be have sex with someone of the other of my biological sex, that's already creating a rift, and you're going to see LGBT. Q is not long for this world. It's falling apart as we speak for that reason. And, and yeah, and and I think uh I think I mean it's not technically LGBTQ issues, but I think uh feminism is also grouped in with that segment in some ways because it's mainly just because it's part of the intersectionality mm -hmm. structure you could say but um but that's also going to begin to dismantle things because now you're having transgender girls competing in in athletic events right. and this is just one thing this is one of probably much worse of uh, of many things of which are much worse but you have girls competing at athletic events at the um in, in high schools and and also even there there was a uh, a transgender uh woman that that competed in mixed martial arts that was just freaking murking murking yeah. chicks just beating them down and of course she didn't tell anybody that she was a woman so they didn't even know they were fighting i mean they, she man. didn't tell anybody that she was what well, it was a man whoever it was it wasn't telling the girls that it was a man um um so of course they were getting beat up by some dude who had been a yeah, guy and, up until yeah, and you're, ago. you're absolutely right this and, will cause a rift in the feminists the olympics just made it where men can compete in women's events well, what's going to happen is men are going to win every single event we just had a guy the other day in london say uh, a, a black rapper say that he is uh identifying as a woman today and he went on to break almost every single powerlifting uh female record in in great britain <laughs> uh it, this will cause a rift in the feminists especially because a lot of girls are going to start start losing 
sports scholarships to go to college to men who think they are women. And you're going to see this is going to cause a rift too. Intersectionality is doomed to collapse because it is an unsustainable caste system. Yeah, absolutely. And, and of course, how did all this start? This, a lot of this started, or not, you know, not started, but a lot of it got a foothold whenever the Obama administration started pushing the idea that Title, uh, yeah. Title IX, if I remember right, uh, which protects, which protects uh, um, funding for girls' sports, that Title IX could be used to say that, that boys could use the girls' restroom if they right, identified as a girl. Which, yeah, which then, of course, is going to eventually push into sports. So now they have to, now there's a huge contradiction on the left. You have to either support women's sports or you have to support transgenders or basically men coming in and taking all their trophies and all their awards and yeah, all their scholarships. And, and uh, th th this shows the state that our country's in. It's really sad. It's it's very concerning for our future. But uh, with that, we're going to move on to a new segment real quickly because this has been really sad. It, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. All has been really sad <laughs> how that's going on in the U.S., but we should... Oh, that is not our new segment. That could have been a bad segment. Yeah, it's going to be a bad segment for, uh, for, for, for Matt. But uh, well, I, I'm going to be able to see all the answers you have it up. But what we're going to do is the U.S. is a really great country. <laughs> That's all right. I won't use that one. Continue uh, on. I, I can't actually read it because it's all blurry for me. But uh, the U.S. <laughs> is actually a really great country. And, and since the U.S. is a great country, we're going to actually take American history trivia uh, test with each other. Okay, so so after a complete fail, we're going to scrap everything beforehand and ask these questions because we can <laughs> find any good questions or websites. So keep in mind, the fail wasn't even necessarily that we got questions wrong. It's that we we can't find questions. Yeah, <laughs> that's how dumb we are. It's worse. So, Mainly me. <laughs> so, so, but continue on. So, so, so now we're going to ask these questions. In 1927, who became the first man to fly solo and nonstop across the Atlantic? Oh, crap. I should know this one. Yeah, this is an easy one. Oh, gosh. I can't. I, I'm not going to remember it. So you I know up. I've heard it. I know I've heard it 20, 20, 30, 40 times, but I, I, I can't remember it. I give up. Charles Lindenberg. All right. Well done. Actual Nazi sympathizer, too. That's good. That's good for the topic today. Yeah. <laughs> It's relevant. See, Google is Google is uh they're monitoring our computer. They they noticed all that propaganda that I had up earlier. So of now course. we're demonetized on YouTube and we have the FBI watching us. All right, so question. What was the family name of the Russian rulers from the seventeenth century until the nineteen seventeen revolution? I love how you asked this to a Russian speaker who actually studies Russian history. Oh really you do? Yeah. My wife speaks Russian. Oh really? Yeah, we've went we've went to Latvia. Uh, she's won a few times. That's pretty cool. Uh, my yeah. wife is um, my fiance is. I can do a wonderful Russian accent. Lisa. <laughs> I, mean, I had a friend that that talked. Uh, anyway, I'll, I'll let you answer the question first. We'll it, it's the Romanovs. All right. Correct. Well done. Well done. Well done. But yeah, yeah, I had a friend that uh that that uh in Houston, who uh had a thick Russian accent. I forget. Uh, he's from Kazakhstan. Uh huh. And he was like, "Hey, everybody!" And like, it, I, just, I used to be able to do it better because I used to listen to him all the time. But one time he was he was talking to one of my friends. I, I actually know exactly like, what you're talking about. Huh? I actually know what you're talking about. I was actually hanging out with someone from Kazakhstan today, and he has a really deep accent. He is. He is. But uh, right. but anyway, I got some hilarious stories. We'll go over those in time. That we're doing questions right now. Yeah. Uh, which was the Sorry. first bridge to be built across the River 
Thames in London. Is it's it pronounced Thames. It's huh? pronounced Thames. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck that is. It, it's the River Thames. Oh, you obviously know the answer to this. <laughs> the what was bridge. the first bridge? Oh, 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 okay. All right. Now I look like a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, which U.S. president had a home called the Hermitage? I don't, I don't know what the hell Hermitage is. <laughs> the Hermitage? That sounds like some. This one's not some like one. George Washington. <laughs> Andrew Jackson. <laughs> Why would I know that he has a home call? All right. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, which famous? Whoa. Okay, where was I? There we go. Which famous battle took place on Sunday, eighteenth of June, eighteen fifteen? Ooh, eighteen fifteen. Okay. I'm going to say the Battle of Waterloo. Well, let's see. Whoops. Okay, don't ask me the next question because I revealed it on accident. Okay. Um, the Battle of Waterloo. Yep. Well done. Well done. I, I would not have guessed. I, I know that. The, you can ask me the next question. Okay, yeah. I might as well ask you. Huh? I already opened it. Uh, how many U.S. presidents have been assassinated and who were they? Oh, okay. Uh, so Lincoln was assassinated. Uh John F. Kennedy was assassinated. So that's two. Uh, who? I think it's just two. I think I think I got this wrong though. I'm gonna go with two. Nope. Uh, James Garfield and William McKinley. Yeah, no one remembers them anyways. <laughs> yep. Oh man. Okay. Okay. Ooh, I know that this one's so easy. Which king of England was executed in 1649 during the English Civil War? Oh, so easy. I haven't even revealed the answer, and I know the answer to it. Of course you know the answer to it. Um, king of England. Um, Henry. No. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, you want to? Yeah, yeah. Tell me. King, it's King Charles II. King Charles II. Oh, oh, no. I was wrong. It's Charles I. Oh, there you wow. go. See, yeah. you don't know your shit either. Yeah, I don't know anything about the English Civil War. <laughs> I don't know anything about Oliver Cromwell and Charles the First. All right. Oh man. Uh, All yeah, right, sure. let's do one more each. Mm -hmm. Who started? It doesn't matter who started. We're doing okay. One more. Well, uh, which world leader who came to power in 1949 is famous for his little red book? For his little red book. Yeah. I actually don't know that. Okay, a leader came to power in 1949, so I would have been right after World War II, which makes it more difficult. I'm going to say Henry Truman. Henry Truman? Which world leader? No, Mao. Mao Zedong Mao's or Mao Zedong. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Did you question. Of course. There you are. There okay. you are. All right. Well, now I have to... Uh, Hit you back with a hard one. So, in which country did the Easter Rising take place in 1916? I like how the hard one is the very next one. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ireland. I looked. I looked. I cheated. Okay, well that's cheating. I gotta ask you a different one. I should have taken like five seconds. I might have been able to figure that one out, but I got I got impatient. All right, we'll end on American history. What name is given to Britain's policy of avoiding strict enforcement of parliamentary laws on early American colonies? Okay, go over that again. What name is given to Britain's policy of avoiding strict enforcement of parliamentary laws on early American colonies? 
Hmm. I don't know. I got nothing. Salutary neglect. Did I get any of these right? Yeah. I don't know. Did you? I think I got one. Uh, let's see. You didn't get Maybe the one. That, that might have been in the previous epic fell segment that we did. That never happened. No, you did not get a single one right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we got to ask one just, to, just so you can get one right. <laughs> no, no. no. Right. You realize how long this is going to go on? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. okay. So he, he, here it is. Pity question. Okay. Pity question right here. Oh, boy. Who was if I get the pity question wrong, though, do what? what? Who was president during the U.S. Civil War? The U.S. Civil War. Oh, Abraham Lincoln. All right. He got one. Okay. Yes. Clap. That was almost too much of a pity question. I know. All right. You had to well, be sure, though. You couldn't come up with a pity question and get it wrong. All right. I've had enough of this shit. <laughs> All right. Well, like? thanks so much, everyone. Mike, for I just listen. called you Mike again. This one, it's intro and outro every single time. Every single time <laughs> I'll call you Michael. Intro and outro. All right. Go. Good. <laughs> well, everyone, thanks so much for listening to Liberty Talks podcast. I'm John. That was Matt Travis. As you see, some of us are better at history than others. And we'll see you back. His real name is Michael. He uh, he works with the CIA. Don't want everybody to know. And I keep fucking up. I'm going to kill him one day. <laughs> yeah, my name's secretly Michael. <laughs> so we'll see you all next time.